We're continuing our series on participating in God's story. And this week, I want to see what we can learn from what Jesus said and did when he was on earth and see how we can put those things into practice in our life as we share with others. We know that Jesus came to bring peace and reconciliation between God and people through his life and death. When the angels proclaimed his birth, they declared peace on earth. God had sent the Saviour, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, whom he'd promised long before, who would overcome the power of sin and death and bring reconciliation, bring peace with God through that restored relationship that would now be possible because of Jesus. If you read through the Gospels, one of the things that really stands out about Jesus, and this is very important, is that he had compassion. Throughout the Gospels, it continually mentions about Jesus having compassion. Actually, I'd like to encourage you to just read through the Gospels as a, or a Gospel anyway. Don't sort of read bit and bit and bit. Read it through in one go as if you were reading a book that you were, you know, a novel that you were reading because you get a much better overall picture. It's great to just read a little bit and really focus on that and see what that passage is saying. But it's also great to actually read through a gospel as a whole and just see the overall picture. Anyway, that's just a blurb for <laughs> some Bible reading, but <laughs> getting back to the sermon. <laughs> but one thing that really stands out about Jesus is he had compassion on people. He was motivated by his love for them. The well-known verse, John 3:16 tells us that it was because of God's love that he sent Jesus. For God so loved the world... And he sent Jesus so that Jesus would take on himself the penalty for our sin. And in the Gospels we see Jesus' compassion and we see how directed what he did. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus has just heard that John the Baptist has been killed. So he tries to get away by himself, but the crowds follow him. In verse 14 it says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Even though he wanted time alone, his compassion drives him to care for the people, to put aside what he wanted to do in a sense and care for the people that God had sent him to. The passage that follows that tells then of how Jesus fed the crowd with just a small number of fish and some loaves of bread. We tend to focus on the miracle, how so little food fed so many people. But what's important is that we see that Jesus was concerned about the people's physical needs, their well-being. He cared about them totally. And only after he did this did he get the chance to go away by himself and pray. Again, in Matthew 15, Jesus feeds the crowd, telling his disciples in verse 32, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I'm... I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Again, Jesus made sure that the people were fed. He had the ability to provide for them, and he did this. In Matthew 20, 34, Jesus heals two blind men, and it says he had compassion or pity on them. He wept at Lazarus' grave, even though he knew he was about to raise him back to life. He still wept at the, the effect that death had had on the world. Jesus saw the devastation that sin had brought and his heart was moved. This was a world that was created perfectly 
and should not have had sickness and despair, death and destruction. Jesus' desire was to do what he could to remedy the results of sin, to heal, provide and restore. As we look through the Gospels, we see Jesus continually healing people. It didn't matter to him who they were. He healed blind beggars on the outskirts of the city. He healed the man in the caves tormented by demons. He healed those with leprosy, the woman with the issue of blood. People that others would have nothing to do with. They were outcasts, ostracised by society, considered of no importance. To Jesus, each person was created in the image of God and his desire was to restore to them what had been taken away, to show what the kingdom of God was about. He also healed others, people who had position and power. He raised the daughter of a synagogue ruler from the dead. He healed a royal official's son and a centurion's servant. These were important people and Jesus cared for them too. Jesus didn't confine his healing and compassion to a particular group of people. While we see he particularly looked out for those who were rejected, that his compassion extended to all in need, no matter who they were or what the circumstances they were in. An American preacher, the Reverend David Bast, wrote this about what Jesus did. We get the impression that he simply went where the Spirit led him. He didn't calculate whether there were few or many people when he preached or taught or whether or not a place was important enough for him to spend time there. He didn't worry that he was wasting his time in these Galilean backwaters. Jesus went everywhere and helped everyone. That's how he did his ministry. Jesus wasn't trying to make himself important with the elite to gain position and prominence he didn't do these things, so he was the one everyone flocked to. Nor was he, as some have represented, trying to be the radical, the revolutionary. Jesus' mission was much greater than earthly fame and rewards. He did more than healing and feeding people. He restored dignity to people. He didn't let the woman with the issue of blood just be healed from her ailment. He called her out in front of the crowd that had shunned her, and he called her daughter. He showed her value in the eyes of God to the people around him. He spent time with even eating with tax collectors, Jews that were hated by other Jews because they cooperated with the Roman rulers and they profited off their own people. He was scorned by the, by the Pharisees for doing this. In Luke's Gospel, we see how Jesus particularly sought out Zacchaeus, a wealthy tax collector, and told him he was coming to his place to stay. And we see the impact that had on Zacchaeus, who completely changed his way of life and made recompense for how he'd wronged others. We need to have compassion on people, to look at them in the same way that Jesus did, to care about them no matter who they are. This doesn't mean we're going to heal people like Jesus did. I'm not sure anyone's going to want us to spit on the ground, make it into mud and then rub it on someone's eyes. <laughs> but we can pray for them for healing. We know it's up to God how he acts. And at times we don't see the answer that we want to our prayers. We'll pray something and God acts in a different way. God knows what he has planned for each one of us much better than we do.
what he calls us to do is to have that same compassion and to continue to pray because we don't know how the Holy Spirit is working in another person's life. So we need to keep praying and we need to show compassion. We're called to help others in whatever way we can, to share of what God has given us, to be aware of what their needs are just as Jesus was. This doesn't mean we're to exhaust ourselves or leave ourselves impoverished, but it means to have spiritual eyes to see and insight to know where God wants us to be used for his glory, to listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting. You've probably seen and heard stories of people helping others, say paying for someone's groceries when they didn't have enough money or maybe just buying a random stranger a cup of coffee or even just giving a an encouraging word to someone who looks like they're doing it hard. And we hear heartwarming tales of how thankful that person was, the person that received whatever it was, how thankful they were. These stories tend to make us feel better about life and society. It's great to see and to hear of others helping those in need and those in need being helped and others being encouraged by this happening, you know, being encouraged to do the same thing when they hear about what someone else has done. When we do this, we need to be led by love and compassion. There was a situation a while back, it was actually in Melbourne, where an older woman was having a coffee by herself and she was given a bunch of flowers by a guy that was filming it for his TikTok channel. Comments on the video were, oh, wasn't that lovely? She must have been so happy. It must have made her day and sort of the poor thing there by herself, you know, having coffee and then she got this lovely gift of flowers and everything. But she wasn't happy. She thought it was patronising. She'd asked not to be filmed. And she said the flowers were actually a nuisance, which what she had on that day. The guy who filmed it and doing it said he had good intentions. He just wanted to spread some love and encourage others to do the same. We need to be sensitive to the people around us. Many times you will just help out because you can. But there will be occasions when you feel a reluctance, a sense of a holding back because the Holy Spirit is directing you to just let, wait and see and let God move differently or let someone else be the one that does the helping. You'll sense that in your spirit. You'll think, oh, I can do that. And then you're like, oh, I don't think that I should. And, of course, there are occasions when the last thing you feel like doing is actually helping someone. It's going to be a nuisance, you're tired, you're busy, and it's going to be a real hassle. But you have that sense of the Holy Spirit actually pushing you, just do it. Just go out there, just step out and do it. And then it, when you do that, you're showing the same compassion that Jesus had. When you allow yourself to be directed by the Holy Spirit, to actually help when he says help, and to do it with love and compassion, you're acting in the same way that Jesus did. Jesus' compassion was deeper than just seeing how he could make life better on earth for people. In Matthew 9.35, it points out something else important that he did. It says he taught in the synagogues and proclaimed the gospel. In verse 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Again, we see his compassion mentioned. But what stands out here is that he saw that the people were lost. Just, just as sheep without a shepherd didn't know where to go, were not protected, so people without God are the same. Jesus made sure he taught the people the truth of God. He went into the synagogues and spoke of himself, 
pointing out he was the one mentioned in, by the prophet Isaiah. He was the promised one, the one that God had said he would send. Jesus had compassion and he wanted the people to see the reality of God. He wanted them to see how things should have been, to restore what had been destroyed in the fall. Out of his compassion, he acted and spoke in ways that showed why he was there. He preached the gospel and he displayed his power and authority over what Satan had taken. Jesus never lost sight of his purpose, that he was there to fulfill God's will. He didn't get so overwhelmed by compassion that he lost sight of his ultimate purpose to restore people to God. He didn't feel he had to fix every earthly trouble because he knew the truth that until God's kingdom comes in all its fullness, sin will still cause destruction, will still cause trouble on earth. What Jesus showed was the power of God to overcome. He showed that he is the true shepherd. When the woman anointed Jesus with costly perfume and she was criticised with doing this, it was said, oh, that could have been sold and the money given to the poor. Jesus responded by saying in Matthew 26, 11, for you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. Jesus wasn't justifying poverty, but he was pointing out what was true. There would always be opportunities to help the poor and we should do that. But what needed to come first was worship of God. This woman was worshipping Jesus in the costly acts she carried out. It's the same principle as when Mary sat at Jesus' feet instead of helping Martha prepare the food. As we make sure we are worshipping God, we will more clearly see what his heart is and how he wants to use us. Our compassion for others needs to come from God and be directed by him. When Jesus shared the gospel, he didn't say his things to make himself popular to any particular group of people. He spoke with the authority of God, and it was this that made him stand out. He, but he wasn't trying to please people with what he said. In fact, some of it was too hard for people to accept. In John 6, we see that many of his followers complained about this, and then they left. They said it was too hard. They couldn't accept it. They wanted a miracle worker. They wanted the signs and wonders, but they didn't want to hear the truth. They wanted life to be better for them here and now, but they didn't want to have to be challenged in the way that they lived or what they believed. They didn't want any of that to change. They just wanted their circumstances to change, but not their actual life to change. Jesus came to bring the truth. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is a very clear statement. Jesus said the way to God is not through good deeds or being better than the majority of people, not through what we know or possess. It is through him and that is the only way. That's the heart of the gospel. That's a message we need to share, that to have peace with God, to have forgiveness of sins, to have eternal life is only found in Jesus. We're to share this so that others know him. We're not telling them that they'll have a perfect life on earth, that any financial worries, any sickness, any relationship stresses, anything like that will just magically disappear. Rather, that in the midst of everyday life, they will have a peace that is beyond understanding. They have God, a heavenly father, who they can call out to. 
Jesus, the Saviour, who has come and rescued them. The Holy Spirit, a comforter, a counsellor, who brings the very words of Jesus to them. They have assurance for the future. They have that hope and future that God gives to all who follow him. When we speak to others, we're not doing it so we win an argument or prove that what we believe is best, but we do it to show people who God is and what he has done for them. As we just saw with Jesus, not everyone accepted his message. People who have been part of what he was doing gave up when they realised what following Jesus would involve. In both Matthew and Luke's Gospels, Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. I always thought that sounded good. I'll pray, you go. But the people he said this to were the same ones that he sent out. First his 12 disciples and then 72 others. He didn't just tell them to pray. He told them also to go. When Jesus sent out the 72 in Luke 10, he gave them certain instructions. And I want us to have a look to see how we can incorporate the ideas he gave into what we do, how we live. In Luke 10, 3, as he sends them out, he says, Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Probably not the most motivating, inspiring, encouraging speech for people who are going out to do something they hadn't done before. Often before a big football game, that sort of thing, they'll get the coach or maybe even a former top player will come in and talk to the team, getting them all revved up, giving them this great motivating speech to get them all ready to go out there and do their utmost. I'm not sure this statement of Jesus would fit into that category. There's a spiritual battle going on. That hasn't changed. Satan doesn't want people to see the truth of the gospel and submit their lives to God. We will face difficulties and opposition. Following Jesus involves obedience and faithfulness to the will of God. We see in this story that being part of those who are sent out, and that is everyone who follows him, is not easy. There is risk and uncertainty. Jesus tells them as they go out not to take extra goods with them, not to talk to people on the way. Now, that seems rather odd. You'd think he'd want them prepared, self-sufficient, and also ready to talk to anyone that they come across. There was purpose in what he said. They were doing something new, something that could seem too difficult. Jesus wanted them, and he wants us, ready to go where and when God sends us, being able to move quickly without unnecessary hindrances. We're not to think we have to wait until everything is just right, just perfect. It's making yourself vulnerable by not having everything together, letting others see you as you are. Pastor Simon's message a couple of weeks ago emphasised this. God doesn't just send those who've been Christians for a really long time or those who have all the training or are eloquent speakers. Everyone who calls him Lord is sent out by him. It may be to your family member, to your next-door neighbour, to the people you hang out with at work, or you could be sent further afield. God uses who you are and how he has made you. The reality of you and your life as you imperfectly follow him can be far more meaningful to others than someone who appears to have it all together, who has all the answers. Jesus didn't want those he was sending to be distracted. They'd been sent to a particular place and that is what they were to do. 
talking to someone on the road, no matter how friendly that might seem, had the ability, the potential to distract them, even to make them doubt where they should go and what they should do. It can be the same for us. We can have great intentions to share what we believe with a particular person. Maybe we've sensed an openness in them. And maybe we want to invite them to church or we just want to spend some time with them so we get an opportunity just to share what we believe. Maybe they've asked us a couple of questions or, or they're interested in what, why we go to church or that sort of thing and we sense that there's an openness there. But then we get really busy with life and the opportunity passes. Somehow or another, the, the, what appeared to be an openness seems to close or that person we don't tend to come across as much as we were and we miss the opportunity that God has provided Jesus told those when he sent them out that when they entered a house, they were to say, peace be to this house. When we bring the gospels to others, we are bringing peace, the peace of, with God that Jesus brought. The gospel is the gospel of peace. Jesus tells them that if the people receive them, then to stay with them, to spend time with them, to join in what the people are doing, to eat with them, to do all the normal everyday things with those people. But if the people don't receive them, then they were to leave, not waste their time. Jesus said, if they listen to you, then they're actually listening to me. But if they reject you, then it's me that they're rejecting. It's not a personal attack on us if someone refuses to listen to what we say. We're not to spend time arguing with people who are not listening. We're called to discern who is generally seeking and asking from those who aren't. Just because someone asks some questions or appears to challenge what we're saying, that doesn't necessarily mean they're not listening. But it becomes clear if someone isn't, if they just want to dispute for the sake of it. I don't know, you might have met someone, a person that you're trying to share the gospel with, and they keep coming up with all this stuff. And in the end, you realise that you're just wasting your time. It doesn't matter what you say. They're never going to listen, actually, to what you are saying, to what the truth of it is. They just want to, they're just enjoying having an argument. Pray for them. But move on because your time is precious. We're to be people of compassion like Jesus. We're to share our lives with others as God leads us to them. All of us are called to participate in God's story. And we do this by sharing the good news of the gospel, by living lives that show the truth, the reality of God in our everyday life. And through prayer as we seek God's will for our life and for the people that he's placed us among as we help them, as we share with them, as we spend time with them and as we pray particularly to see what God wants us to do, how he wants to use us. This week, as you go about your regular activities, have open eyes and open hearts to see where the Holy Spirit is leading you because God wants you to reach out to others. He has people around you. Maybe it's, not, it's someone you haven't even met yet, but he's got people there that he wants you to be involved in their life and to share the truth, to help them as you can, to show that compassion and that love, but also to share the truth of the gospel, to be that means of reconciling people to God through Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that as we look at you, Lord, as we see that your word, we see who you are. We see the compassion and love you showed for each person the value of each person in the eyes of God. And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that when we were lost, you reached out to us. And Lord, I pray that you'll use each of us to reach out to others who are lost, Lord God, who are like sheep without a shepherd. 
Lord, we pray for those around us, Lord, and we pray that you will equip us, Lord, to do your work, to have open eyes, open hearts, Lord, to be the person that you desire, Lord God, to listen to the Holy Spirit, Lord, as you send us out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you for your compassion. And thank you for the truth of the gospel, Lord God. Amen.